Jay Ferrugia, host of the Renegade Radio podcast, has been helping guys become the strongest version of themselves since 1994. He is one of the pioneers for that warehouse gym style of training, starting to do things such as flipping tires, dragging sleds, kettlebells, pressing logs, using rings, and more in the mid-90s. Jay is a highly sought-after, world-renowned strength and conditioning specialist and muscle-building expert. Over the past 17 years, he has personally trained more than 700 athletes from over 90 different NCAA, NFL, NFL, NHL, and MLB organizations. He has also worked extensively with firefighters, police officers, military personnel, Hollywood stars, and entertainers. Jay has been featured in Men's Health, Muscle and Fitness, Men's Fitness, Fast Company, Huffington Post, Live Strong, Entrepreneur, On It, ESPN, CBS, and more. Most importantly, Jason has helped over 53,000 skinny guys and hard gainers in 126 different countries build muscle and gain weight faster than they ever thought possible. Over the course of his life, he's faced many challenges such as being physically and mentally weak, skinny, fat, sad, depressed, insecure, painfully shy, socially awkward, crippled with anxiety and indecision, addiction, and went broke on more than one occasion. Jay and I discuss his background, finding inspiration for training others, getting strong and looking good in just a half hour a day, how 95% of fitness advice is BS and the 5% that's worth knowing, supplementation, the importance of simplicity and the 80-20 rule, building meaningful relationships, giving to charity, training pro athletes, starting the Renegade radio podcast, small tribal gatherings of men missing in our society, and more. For more information on Jay, visit his website or follow him on social media at Jay Ferugia. If this podcast impacts or speaks to you, please share it and leave a review. And as always, follow More You Know Pod and Riley Arm for Tech on social media. trying to make it all make sense the more you know podcast so jay what made you start helping people become the strongest version of themselves in the mid 90s through that group training warehouse gym style that's so popular nowadays so i grew up as a really skinny weak insecure kid and i was, I was socially awkward and painfully shy and uh, so i got into training because during those days i was obsessed with uh pro wrestling I've, I've always been a huge pro wrestling fan but i was obsessed as a kid watching you know ravishing rick rude and the dynamite kid and uh ricky steamboat and all these guys who were super jacked every saturday morning and i was like man i'd love to be like that and even when i was younger i was into you know kind of the jack superhero physiques wolverine was always my favorite and um so you know like around uh when i was 12 ish so 1986 I started lifting weights for the first time. My dad had gotten into it. And my cousin, Christine, started dating a pro wrestler named Eric Wieda. He was not, yeah, it was super cool. It was like, oh, this is crazy. This guy's here all the time. And he was like 6'5, 250, jacked out of his mind. And he wasn't with WWF, but uh, some smaller federation. But anyway, he's around all the time. So that really sparked it. I was like, man, there's a pro wrestler around going to the gym with him. And, but I went from doing nothing, you know, kind of just being this fat, awkward kid. To all of a sudden now I'm in the gym two hours a day doing these body parts splits and it didn't really work so I was like man I got to figure out how to make this work and uh, and so so then you know through the transformation that I had and just the obsession that I developed I was like man this is what I want to do for a living I, I want to work with athletes because I I always played sports as a kid I was just never that great and as I got further into it a couple years into it, into college I was like ah oh, I wish I was doing this when I was in high school and and I knew what I knew now and uh, so anyway that was that was kind of uh, 
kind of the start of it. Okay, gotcha. And you started in around 94, 96? 94, I started training people. Yep. Okay, and so what was the start like? How did you really get started? So I was, I was going to school, and originally I went to school for communications, and then I just became obsessed with training, so I switched over to exercise science, started interning in the weight room. Back then, you know, there's no internet, there's no, no place really you can learn about this stuff other than just getting like a certification, which I got some of those, and then I got uh, every book you can order in the back of Ironman magazine. I'm just always educating myself, started going to workshops and seminars, interning with people, and then uh, I got really sick and I had to transfer home. And during that summer, I was 19, I had to take a semester off, and I was on all kinds of medication and bed rest. And I, I started training people that summer when I was 19. Business took off, and I knew nothing about business, and I really wasn't even that good at training people, but somehow business took off. And uh, so I transferred back home and continued to run the business while I was 19 going to school. And I saved up every single dime from training people at their house or at public gyms so that finally, within a year or two later, I could rent space. Uh, my own private space and then over the next few years and it was literally underground in a basement so it wasn't just you know quote unquote underground it was literally underground and uh, we, we, we trained people there it was a thousand square foot space and it just became known within a few years I had you know on a regular day I would have 50 to 75 uh, athletes coming in uh, we had all the leading scorers rushers you name it record breakers from, from all the high schools around those guys eventually went on to become college uh, athletes then pro and then they would bring me guys back so it was just kind of this huge cycle that, that took off and that was my life 12 hours a day for 12 15 years that's amazing what a what an amazing transition that's such a cool story so i saw on your website that you say you can help someone build an incredibly strong powerful physique in just 30 minutes a day or so and push-ups are the start of it that's a few hours per week and you talked about how you'd gone from a skinny, insecure guy. Uh, could you please share a little about this strategy for getting in great shape in just a few hours per week? Sure, yeah, it doesn't take a lot. I mean, I, I think that's what holds a lot of people back is they think, sure. well, it's got to be this huge, monumental, time-consuming thing. But really, that's not true at all. I mean, you can get a great workout in, in 15 minutes, never mind 30, you know. Sometimes my workouts will be 10, 15 minutes if, if I'm in a rush. Well, I'll literally just grab, I have a set of kettlebells at home. I might literally just do a, a goblet squat, a kettlebell swing, and some kind of ab exercise for three or four rounds. That'll take me 10, 12 minutes. Or I can do a full body workout like that, whatever it might be. And anyone can do that at home where you could just Absolutely. do push-ups, inverted rows. You just need something to hang a, a suspension strap on and then do some kind of single leg squat or goblet squat. You do three rounds of that. I mean, that's going to take you no time to get a great workout. You could do high-intensity interval stuff, 10 minutes, great workout. Just go outside and sprint up a hill for 10 minutes, run up, walk back down, run up, walk back down, 10 minutes. That's a great workout. So it doesn't have to be this big thing. And I always tell people start small because you don't want to go from doing nothing to now you're driving 15 minutes to the gym, you have a 15 minute warm up, you're talking to people, you train for an hour, you shower, you drive back. That's two and a half hours. Who's going to commit to that on a regular basis? That's a huge thing to bite off. Where start with stuff at home. And then if that works and you love it and you want to get out and go to the gym, sure, you can progress to that. But even then, you know, keep it short and sweet. I think that's a really good point you bring up is when you try to commit to going to the gym, if you aren't somebody who's into working out, that two hours, that's the commitment of getting there and then all of the post-workout stuff. That's such a it's big such change a in somebody's yeah. life. It, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
and you could be using kettlebells. You could have a pull-up bar that's connected on your door. There's so many things you'd be doing, push-ups, squats, leg raises. So yeah, there's, cool. it's, there's so much value in, in really just starting at yep. small and gradually working up. And you also say that 95% of fitness stuff is BS. So what's the 5% that's really important? Uh, big, big, so strength training is super important. Okay. That's the most important thing. I mean, that's, that's more important than doing conditioning. And the reality is, like, everybody these days, two, two things you need this really long warm-up where you need to foam roll and do all these mobility drills. That's if you're training incorrectly. If you're beating your body up and you don't know how to train correctly and you're not mastering exercise execution, then you need an hour warm-up. You need to foam roll every day and you always feel like shit. But if not, if you train properly the way I teach, you don't need to do a lot of that stuff. Strength training is important because it's going to uh, help you build muscle, uh, strength, burn body fat. And like I said, if, you, if done properly, it will improve mobility, stability, flexibility. So it's an all – and your conditioning. So it's kind of a great bang for your buck all in one type of deal. And what's important when it comes to strength training is that you use big compound movements that incorporate the most muscle mass. So instead of getting into isolation exercises like flies, you do a push-up or a dumbbell press. Instead of just you know obsessing about curls and pushdowns, do chin-ups, do rows, do close grip push-ups, uh, dumbbell floor presses, dips if your shoulders can handle them, things like that. So basic exercises that you can use a lot of muscle mass and that you can progressively get stronger on. So if you can only do five push-ups a day, that's fine. But hopefully in a month, you'll be able to do 10 and then at 15 and then 20. And then once you get to that point, you add some weight on your back or you do them on rings or you uh, use a band behind your back. You want to progressively add resistance over time. If you do the same thing all the time, you never get anywhere. Sure. I think that's so, a really good point you bring up of gradually building up. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to take it slow. I mean, some people will really rush the strength gains, which is a mistake. It's worse. Well, it, it's hard to say what's worse, doing nothing and just doing the same thing over and over because then you get nowhere. But when you rush the strength gains, it's awesome because you're like, wow, I set a PR, I set a personal record, I'm getting so much stronger. But your muscles get a lot stronger at, stronger at a faster rate than your tendons and ligaments can. And so that leads to joint issues. And it also leads to breakdown of technique. So you're doing perfect technique one, two, week one, week one, week two, week three. And then you start getting sloppy just to add a few more pounds, getting sloppy to add a few more pounds. Now all of a sudden, oh, man, my shoulder kills. Now i got to take a month off because my shoulder's destroyed or my knees are destroyed. So technique can never break down so you get stronger at, at the rate your body gets stronger and then you add weight don't rush it it's important but you can't you know you can't rush it or you do get hurt great point and so what are your thoughts on supplementation in general and then also what would be considered performance enhancing supplementation stuff like SARMs or pro hormones there's there's people like the bell brothers louis simmons who are kind of more pro of that i'm curious what your thoughts are I think, uh, first and foremost, you should never think about supplements until, A, your sleep is dialed in and perfect. Sleep's first and foremost. So you got to get your sleep dialed in. Then your nutrition's got to be dialed in. Then we can think about supplements. But as long as, long as you're eating enough vegetables, fruits, uh, real protein, you know, not, not food out of a box or bag, something your great-great-great-grandparents would have eaten, uh, something that you can, you can pronounce and understand what the ingredients are. Okay, then if we have a good balance... Then let's see what's missing. And how do you know that? You could take a shotgun approach and just take a bunch of stuff, or you could get really scientific and go get blood work done and say, okay, I'm deficient in magnesium. Most people are. So that, that's, a, that's a general recommendation to make because almost everyone's deficient in magnesium. Almost everyone's deficient in vitamin D. So that's a great one. And, and um, 
Omega-3s, usually people are deficient in omega-3s. So those three are good staples. Uh, if you want a preventative, a, a good mixed green kind of superfood blend because most of us probably don't eat as many vegetables as we need to sure. to get all the nutrients and the nutrition. And the reality is a lot of people have digestive stress. So chewing and eating all those vegetables sometimes can cause a lot of issues too. So I, I think if you drink a green juice or, or get a green supplement, that, that's a good uh, insurance policy. But I think to really get to the next level, you should get blood work done regularly. And then you're not guessing. Then you see, okay, I'm actually deficient in these things. This is what I need. That's smart. And so with blood testing, I've seen Ben Greenfield and other people discuss that. It's something that can just kind of seem intimidating, I guess, to go about doing. What would you suggest is the easiest way of getting your blood work done? Like go, how often would you go to the doctor? Would you get one of those little, they have those little like circular things you can put in your arm. I saw Ben Greenfield's using one of those. What suggestions do you have? I think at least twice a year is a good idea for most people. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm over 40, so I go, I go quarterly now. Okay. Uh, get my blood work and, and see where everything's at. And then I will basically run tests for the next 90 days. And maybe I'll try out this new diet protocol. I'll try out this new supplement and then I'll see where I'm at. So, so it's not really a guessing game. I'm, I'm always, you know, observing what the blood work shows, but, um, yeah, something that I, that I skipped over. Oh, as far as performance enhancing goes, I would say like vitamin D is actually a hormone. So it could be considered if you are deficient in vitamin D, and you get your vitamin D levels up, like that will be hugely performance enhancing. Creatine over time, creatine's proven in, in, in countless studies. Um, that's it really though. Most of those supplements that are kind of bodybuilding and performance enhancing don't really do that much. You're better off, you know, eating steak, yams, and uh, a strong cup of coffee. Like that's going to get you more than one of those pre-workout uh, pre supplements and not be as damaging for your health. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so I really appreciate how open you are about the various struggles you've had with depression, anxiety, being socially awkward, being skinny and fat. I was wondering if you could just kind of open up about the struggles you've had and how you overcame them. Well, I, I think a lot of it went back to childhood, you know, certain issues, maybe with my parents and whatnot and, and how we grew up. And then that kind of just took, carried itself into school where because, you know, if, if you're a quiet kid, kids will pick on you. So sure. I'm quiet. I'm socially awkward. I'm not, not the greatest athlete. I'm fat and I'm skinny fat. And so of course that's going to lead to people picking on me, bullying me, beating me up, stuffing me in lockers, knocking my books down all the time. And, uh, and the reality is I wouldn't trade that for the world because it, it made me who I am today and kind of gave me that chip on my shoulder to work harder and, you know, to prove people wrong. Now that could be a bad thing. If you don't address that later in life, you could always be insane and out of your mind with that. You have to address that at some point. But, um, Anyway, yeah, you know, I just realized at some point in my mid to late 30s, actually, I was like, man, this is just, there's a lot of issues that I'm not addressing where I'm, I'm way bigger. You know, I went from 147 pounds when I graduated high school, same height I am now, six foot tall, to 225. And I'm like, I'm way bigger. I'm wow. way stronger. I have more confidence. I can certainly own the room if I'm in my own gym. But out in the world, I'm still really a, a bigger, stronger version of that insecure, shy, awkward kid. And I have, a, I still have anger. I still have issues. So I need to address that. So I spent a few years. I mean, it's, it's not an overnight thing. It's reading hundreds of books. It's, it's, it's really being, you know, conscious about who you're surrounding yourself with. And are these people bringing you down? Are these people speaking the way you want to speak? Or are they saying, Oh, it must be nice. Or this guy, that, and this sucks and that sucks and screw that guy. Like, you got to be aware of that stuff. And as I started to become more aware of that, I started to distance myself from certain people, put myself in the right environments where 
people are positive and they're uplifting you and they're happy for your success. And if you have an idea, they say, yes. And how about this, this, this on top of it? Whereas, you know, the, the wrong circle to be around is you have an idea and they're like, yeah, it's never going to work. That's, that's don't even think about that. Just, you know, play, play it safe. So being aware of those things, reading the right books, being around the right people, it, it was, it was a deep dive for years. I wish I could say you could fix it in 30 days, but it's hard, but, but being aware of it and then taking small steps to overcome that. You're like, okay, well, I am insecure in groups of people. What do I need to do? What's, what's one small habit I could implement and start to do? Maybe I could just make more eye contact. Maybe I could initiate a conversation or even just give a head nod or a compliment or something like that and start to track that in a daily journal, just like you track a PR if you're training, right? Oh, I got a, I got a new chin-up PR, a new squat PR. And then each day, each month, each start to build that up more and let that snowball. And then your confidence will build like anything else. You know, when, when you first start training, you can't do a lot of things. You don't say, I'll never be able to do 10 chin-ups or I'll never squat 135. You work up to it. First day you play the guitar, you don't say, oh, this is weird. I can't play like Jimi Hendrix on day one. Of course not. <laughs> you work up to it. But people don't think that way when it comes to their communication skills or their self-confidence. You tell yourself the story and you write this narrative of, well, that's how my family is. That's how I always was. And that's just it. That's how it's always going to be. No, it doesn't have to be like that. You can improve anything. That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that because that's something I've never heard in, in reference to being socially awkward or anything that has to do with how you socially interact or how you feel with your anxiety or anything like that. That's really powerful is just taking it one step at a time and gradually building up how you would with working out or anything else. Thanks, man. Yeah, so you have your seven keys to mental and physical strength. What are those? Oh, dear God, I don't know. I haven't looked at that in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, could you give us a few keys? Uh, well, certainly strength training. You got like strength training is the anchor. The Rock talks about it, it's his anchor. Arnold's always talked about that. Some of the most successful people on the planet in any endeavor, they get up and they train every single day. Robert Irvine, the famous chef. So many people, Gary Vaynerchuk, gets to the gym every morning. Like that is the anchor. That's the key. You got to have a strong physical body because then you'll have more energy. You'll have more clarity. You'll have more focus. You'll be able to take on more meetings, get more shit done during the day. So that's it, first and foremost. You've got to get up and push against that resistance. Every day, do something, break a sweat. That's first and foremost. And then you got to, like I said before, you got to develop your leadership muscles, your confidence. Uh, those things are really important. Everyone, the, Dan Kennedy uh, said that everyone's walking around with their umbilical cord out, and they want somebody to plug into. They want somebody to lead. Why don't you become that leader? So I think everybody needs to learn about leadership, read books about leadership. John Wooden's got a great book. John C. Maxwell's got a great book about leadership. Become a leader. Don't say, I'm never, I wasn't a leader in my life. Of course not, but you can become one. People just step up. Force yourself to become a leader. Uh, force yourself to make better decisions and faster decisions. So if you take a while to make decisions, if you flip-flop on decisions, that breeds distrust, anxiety, stress, anger amongst those people around you, people that work for you, people that might want to help you, people that do favors for you. If you say, hey, we're going to go with red, and then the next day you say, oh, you know what? I was thinking about it. Blue might be better. And everyone's like, oh, man, I was so invested in red. I had all these good ideas about red. You sold me on red. Now you're going to blue. And then if you continue to do that, if you develop that reputation, over time people are like, I'm not going to help this dude anymore. Or I don't give a shit what he says because he can't be trusted. I know he's going to flip-flop. So why am I going to get invested in it? So uh, those kinds of things are super important. And then I, I would say the next thing that comes to mind is you have to prioritize relationships. Relationships are everything. 
Relationships are the most important thing in life. So at the end of the day, someone's giving you a eulogy. They're never going to talk about how much money you made, how much you hustled, how jacked you were, what a great athlete you were. Unless you're a famous pro athlete, unless you're Michael Jordan, they're probably not going to say that. They're not going to say most of those things that we deem important, that we think are really uh, the things that we should dedicate our focus and energy to. All they're really going to talk about is what kind of person you were. Relationships, at the end of the day, if, if you get a terminal illness today, the doctor tells you you have six weeks to live, you're going to say, man, was I a good enough friend to this person? Was I a good enough husband? Was I a good enough dad? And who do I want to spend those last six weeks with doing what? Relationships and experiences. You're never going to say, oh, man, I got so much work to do. Or I got to do whatever else. I got to make more money or I got to get more workouts. And it's that. It's you're going to want to prioritize relationships. So once you make that a priority, you, your whole life gets better. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. So what advice do you have for building meaningful relationships? So you have to take the ball in your court. Or you take the reins. So let's say you and I are somewhere at a party. And, and, and I'd heard, oh, you got to meet Riley. He's a super cool guy. Uh, he knows this. He's into that. You guys have a lot in common. Cool. A, I have to go up to you. I have to initiate the conversation. I can't just hang back and sit there and be like, oh, I hope it comes up to me. So it's always your responsibility. Nobody's good at this, naturally. You get better at it. You take the reins and you put yourself out of your comfort zone. So I, I walk over, I initiate the conversation. Now, when you leave, the ball, again, is always in your court. So never give someone a business card. Never do what everyone does at every single meeting. Oh, cool. It's great talking to you. Let's hang out sometime. Peace. Never happens. You never see that person again. You never connect. So what I do immediately is my phone is out, which my phone is never out if we're having a conversation. That's A. My phone's never on the dinner table. I'm hanging out with friends. They never see my phone. But you and I just met. We're at a party. Say, cool. I'm going to get your information because I'm not putting it on you. I'm putting it on me. So I'm saying, cool. What are you comfortable giving me? Your email, your phone, whatever. Here. Let me, let me get that. Now. Now I got your information. So now I don't sit around and say, oh, Riley's a dick, or maybe he didn't like me or think all this shit. It's just, no, my responsibility. Now, within 48 hours, I'm going to hit you up. I'm going to send you a message. I'm going to send you a text. Man, it was awesome talking to you. Uh, we might have you know, something in common that was really cool talking about uh, the 86 Mets or whatever we talk. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> you know. And I might have a recommendation for you. Yo, you should read this book, or here's a great article. Now that shows you that I was listening and paying attention. Like I thought of you when I read this, because I remember that we had this conversation. Um, if applicable, maybe I'll introduce you to someone within 48 hours. You told me you love this thing. Hey, my buddy uh, runs this company that sells those things, and he's looking to get the word out. Maybe he'll send you some, some free stuff or whatever, whatever it might be. Things like that. You always want to be thinking this way. What can you do? And then I'm going to say, Riley, Thursday between 10 and 1, I'm free. Friday between 10 and 1, I'm free. Let's meet up for lunch at the firehouse. Any of those work for you? If not, let's lock something down the following week. So now we're getting back together because the more time that goes by, the relationship's dead. So we're going to get together soon. Within a week or two, we're going to hang out. I'm making the intros. I'm linking you up with stuff. And then we're going to follow up again. And again, I'm not giving you the chance to make plans next time. I'm making plans. Awesome. We had a great lunch. Cool. You know, we should, we should go to the comedy store one night. Let's go hang out. Like whatever. You have to prioritize that stuff. And again, when you're with the person, you need to be present. Your phone's not there. And just... People need to get better at listening. You just need to have listening skills, and we're never taught that. We're, we, there's communication classes, there's public speaking classes, there's acting classes, there's no listening classes, which is one of the reasons I tell everybody on the planet, take an improv class, because it teaches you how to listen. So listening is a superpower. I'm sorry? 
I was just saying I love that because I've heard other people bring up improv too and the power of it. And it's something that you can see really has an effect on how people listen because I've seen people who are yeah. are in like a, more of a, a public light, I suppose, who've talked about it and I've seen the advantages of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, listening is a superpower. So, you know, I'll be with friends or new friends sometimes that someone introduced me to and Later, I might get a text from my friend and say, oh, th thanks for meeting up with John. He said he had the greatest time and you guys had the most amazing talk. And I might have only said five things. I just asked him five follow-up questions that were one line each, but I allowed him to talk and showed I was interested. And, you know, that people, during conversation, people talk about themselves 60% of the time. So if you can get them to talk about themselves, get them to open up, show that you're interested, ask meaningful, good follow-up questions, people are going to love being around you. They're going to love being with you. They're going to love talking to you. Um, I feel like I'm going on a tangent. I lost the question, but yeah, all, all those things are really important. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I think you bring up another really interesting point was talking about connecting right away, bringing your phone out and, and getting their contact information, whatever's easiest for them. And I think it kind of parallels with something that, that a lot of people are familiar with, which is like picking up women. If you're asking a girl for her phone number, you wouldn't just give a girl a business card you want to just give her the card and then right. expect her she's going to hit you back up and you guys are going to go on a date no you need to yeah. to listen and then build this oh, relationship yeah. quickly and get the contact information and reach out in the near future you can't let too much distance and time go by dude that's such a great analogy i don't know how i never thought of that yeah it's like dating but you're just building a friendship exactly, exactly. yeah 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 so another thing you're really big on is simplicity and the 80 20 rule how do you apply that in your life I, I apply it across the board with everything. So, so with nutrition, there's about 10 foods I eat. I eat uh, red meat, venison, uh, beef, elk, bison, yak. Uh, there might be one other one. So I, I eat red meat. I eat some chicken. I eat some fish. I eat leafy greens, no other vegetables. I eat blueberries, avocado, olive oil, macadamia nut oil, dark chocolate, and coffee. Those are the 10 things I eat. That's it. Now, once in a blue moon, of course, I'll have some cheat foods. I'll have some things that are off that list. Let's keep it super simple. Those are the 10 foods that don't upset my gut in any way. I feel amazing when I eat them. So that's it. Boom, done. Training, simple. You see on Instagram, people are always coming up with 87 uh, new pull-down <laughs> variations you never tried and 26 new ways to do a split squat. Now, I, I have three for each. I have basic movement patterns. I have three, maybe four, some, maybe five, but that's it. And we do those. We have, we have a core of maybe 40 exercises total that we do from now until eternity and just get better at them. And as you get more advanced, if you get bored, I've been training for 30 years, so I might get bored, so I might switch up the way we load them, but it's super basic. I'm not doing all these clown things that you see on Instagram all day. <laughs> um, and, and I know what works. I, I know what I, what I need to do, what I need to get in and out. When it comes to work, every morning we get up, we have 100 things to do, possibly. So I got to look at that list and say, okay, we got to get rid of 95 of these. 80 would be good because that would be 80-20, but ideally, let's get rid of 95 because I know after so many years in business that there's only a few things that make a difference, but we're always trying, so we'll try new stuff, and then 90 days later, I'll be like, these three things that we spent 20 grand on and all these hours did absolutely nothing. Now, let's get back to the three to four things that actually make a difference and just continue to do those and invest more time and resources and energy in those. So you have to be ruthless doing that. Don't just do something because this book or this business expert says you have to do it. Don't do it because everyone else is doing it. Don't do it because this guy's killing it with a podcast. So you think you need to have a podcast? Not necessarily. 
it has to be something that works for you that actually moves the needle. You have to measure that stuff or you don't know. So uh, that, that's fitness, that's business. And as far as just, you know, relationships and social life, again, just prioritizing spending time with people. That's the most important thing. And, uh, and, and ask yourself. People don't spend enough time in introspection and just writing and journaling and quiet and turn your phone off and just go out in nature and sit there with yourself. I mean, we don't have that time. We're so far removed from the days of Thoreau and Roosevelt and Benjamin Franklin where people would just go out alone and think. Like nobody does that anymore. So you have to prioritize that. Give yourself that downtime. And it's just not normal. It's not healthy for any system in your body to be constantly entertained, to be constantly just staring at a screen. Like give yourself alone time. Think what's really important to me. What is my 80-20? What, what makes me happy? Again, for most people, it's spending time with people you love. It's connection, community, contribution. Those three things, more than anything, those three C's make a bigger difference than anything else. So how do I get more of that in my life? And how do I forget about all this other bullshit that I, have, that I think I have to do because I see it every day on social media and, I'm, and I have FOMO and I fear of missing out and I'm comparing myself to everybody else. Great. Thank you. And so simplicity, the 80-20 rule, putting your phone away. Uh, how can someone eliminate physical and mental clutter and overcome information overload and decision fatigue like you're talking about? You kind of started talking about your three C's and some of the basis of it. but Yeah, I mean, it comes down to, to what I said there is you got to do that 820 evaluation. What's important, uh, it's going to eliminate a lot of the clutter. Dude, honestly, physical clutter drives people insane too. So it's, it's, it's a lot of the cliches about, you know, the more you own, owns you. Spend a weekend, go through your house, get rid of stuff, get rid of books, get rid of stuff you don't wear. Like if you have a shirt that you wear and, and or no, that's in your closet, you have to say, do I look amazing in this? If I had a chance to go on the Tonight Show or to speak at Madison Square Garden, would I wear this? Do I always look great in this? If the paparazzi was following me around, would I want to be caught in this? If not, throw it out. Keep a small amount of stuff. All that physical clutter drives you nuts and you can't think clearly and you're not happy. So do that. Uh, people read too many books. Like there's this weird obsession on, on social media with how fast can you consume information? And look, I, I'm guilty of it too. And I've been part of it where I've read hundreds and hundreds of books over the years. But now if I could go back, honestly, I'd probably read maybe 25. I mean, I'm looking at my bookshelf. There's probably 400 books right there. But I trimmed that down from 1,000, and I'm still trying to get that down to about 100. But honestly, I would probably read 25 books, pick my top 10, and read them over and over and over. If people master the knowledge in 10 books, which would take a lifetime to memorize and be able to repeat that, be able to teach that, be able to recite that, you would be, so, you would be brilliant. You would be so successful. You'd be so far ahead of everyone else on the planet. But we race, and we, you know, we, we read there's a, you got to read a book a week and all that stuff. But there's no way you could possibly comprehend that unless you're a genius. And I'm far from that. So, uh, and then the other thing is, is, is really, really reducing the amount of time you spend on social media. So you, I would suggest pick one. Like I haven't been on Twitter or Facebook in years. Now, that said, I do spend probably an hour a day on Instagram, which is probably 45 minutes too long. <laughs> so I need to get, but, but for me, I'm only on there running my business. I, you know, of course, I'm guilty of wasting time. I'm sure I probably waste 15 minutes, maybe more a day scrolling and looking at stupid shit. But I'm pretty conscious of it. You have to be conscious of it. If you're just mindless about it, and that's your leisure time, man, what a horrible life that is. How are you going to look back in, in a year or 10 years or 20 years? Like, wow, all those hours that I added up to scrolling through Instagram, like do fun stuff. But you got to, 
I, I would get apps or those blockers or now that now the newest iPhones have those timers where you just aren't on social media all the time. That's what's driving so many people nuts and causing anxiety and information overload and just confusion. I couldn't agree more. And I love the point that you also you brought up about books and, and not reading too many. I'm guilty of doing the same. And it kind of made me think of, so with Netflix, you'll start a new show. You might watch an episode. You might watch two episodes. If it's not any good, it sucks. You go back to either a show that you're used to watching or maybe you look for a new one. Would you yeah. kind of suggest doing that where it's like you stick to your, your 10 shows that you like, your 10 favorite movies, but with the books? I, I do that with books too. And I used to have this weird thing where if I started a book, I got to finish it. Even if I'm on chapter three, I'm like, ah, this book's not that great, but I got to plow through it. Now, as soon as I feel it's not great, gone. It's done. You know, I stop it, move on to something else. And uh, I had another thought there, but I lost it. Um, it happens. Know. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing I really appreciate is that you're very charitable. And I was just wondering if you could talk about the charities that you're involved with and why you got involved with them. So I, I think that, uh, I mean, there's, there's a kind of a, a law of the universe that you, you really can't outgive the universe. And if you give, it always comes back to you. So, and that was one of the reasons I worked. Like if you're just working to have a bigger house and a bigger shoe collection and, and you know, fancier, uh, fancier clothes and whatnot, you're never really going to be that filled. But Agreed. one of the reasons I work hard is because I want to contribute. So what's important. And, and here's the other thing when it comes to age 20. So I used to have 10 or 12 different charities that we would have on auto pay every month. And we would send, you know, X amount to each of these charities because I do care a lot about things. And, you know, I have pictures of Martin Luther King on my wall and, 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 and Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali and guys like that. And I've always kind of, those have been my idols. So I, I wanted to give back. So I, I'm compassionate about a lot of things, passionate about a lot of things and have a lot of compassion. But I realized that giving just a couple hundred bucks here and there to these, to these charities isn't going to make as much of a difference as if, as if I select two or three and donate way more money to them. So I had to think what's really important to me in my own environment, my own neighborhood, locally, uh, what do I do? What would tie into my business and, and kind of my lifestyle uh, and, you know, what I'm all about, my ethos. So I think that's going to be obviously different for everybody, but, you know, pick one or two that really mean a lot to you and do more for them as opposed to just, you know, spreading it out too much. I love that. I think that's something else that's really powerful is, is in general, don't spread yourself too thin with anything, yeah. but if you do that with your charity and you give 10 bucks here and you give 10 bucks there and you give 10 yeah. bucks there, or if you could throw 20,000 in one place or right. 20,000 between two, that does so much more. Yeah. It's almost like wasting your money and wasting your time splitting it between all of those. Cause why well, totally. it does build up, it's not building up the same way. Yeah. You can make a much bigger difference with one or two. Definitely. So your blog, it's also huge. You have over 300,000 regular readers. Uh, do you have any advice for having a successful blog and what have you done to build this blog up? Well, I mean, I started writing. It's, you know, so sometimes when people ask me questions about, about this kind of stuff, about how, how to be successful at XYZ, it's hard for me to say because I started doing this so long ago. So there wasn't anywhere near as much competition. I'm kind of an OG. I mean, I started writing online in 2001. Totally different environment. Yeah, totally different environment now. So, I mean, I, I would still say that it's, it's consistency and it's, the same message all the time. If you're all over the place and nobody can figure out exactly what this is, exactly who it's for, exactly what problem you're solving, who it's not for, what you're all about, then you're going to lose everybody. 
So it's got to be consistency. So all those things that I just said, I've broken those rules the last few years, but I feel like I've earned the right to do it because I've been doing this for 20 plus years and online with this kind of public audience since 2001. So, but for 2001 until 2000, I'd say 14, 15, it was consistent every day, the same thing over and over. Frank Kern has this great thing where he says you should have three core messaging pillars. Now, maybe you could extend that up to five, but that is it. And you pick those three messages, decide what those are for you, and you hammer them 24-7, 365 days a year. So it's not one day I'm talking about this, one day I'm talking about that. No, 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 no. Every single day, it's the same thing. People get too confused and they try to do way too many things and talk about too many things. You can't do that. Look at ultra successful companies and apps and gadgets and whatever. They do one thing and, they, and it's super simple. And, and people who have developed a big following for coaching or selling information or whatever, it's one thing. And people need to just hear that message repeatedly over and over and over and over again. Gotcha. And out of curiosity, if you don't mind me asking, so a blog compared to 2001 when you started to now, does it make as much less or more than it did? Because we have podcasts, there's all these other different platforms to be consuming media. You know, it's hard to say because I haven't written a blog post now. I wrote a blog post every day for, I don't know, a decade, but I haven't written much in years. You know, I'll probably write maybe anywhere between three and eight times a month, I'll, I'll send a, write out like a new 250 to 500 word newsletter. Okay. Uh, but I really don't post much on the blog anymore. So it, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I, make, I make money from the podcast, uh, from the events, from the coaching. It's, I, I couldn't give you a, a definitive answer. Gotcha. I, I would imagine though that if someone's one thing is their blog and they're just pumping out consistent, great content, and then that's leading to sell whatever they're selling, whether it's you know, coaching, ebooks, physical products, it's, it's probably just the same. There's always going to be people who want to read and consider, like people will say, oh, blogging's dead. No, it's not. It's, you're always going to read. People are going to read for, from now to eternity. And there's always people who consume information differently. Some people only like to listen to audio. Some people only like to watch video. Me, for example, I can't watch video. I have zero patience. I would rather read something. I could scroll through it. I could read it fast. I'm a fast reader. And to sit through a seven-minute video would drive me insane. So you have to understand that everybody's different. They consume information differently. I'm sure. And, and also, I was just thinking, too, is with how affiliate marketing works nowadays and Amazon and everybody else has the ability to create these links, I'm sure it's easier to make money than when you were starting. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. So could you please discuss the Renegade Strength Club? Yeah. So it's, uh, this is our 10-year anniversary. I started in 2009. Awesome because I had had the gym for years and I, and I kind of wanted to bring that to the masses and, and, you know, give my kind of workouts and style of training to way more people. So right now we're actually redoing the platform and, and uh, working on a, a whole new relaunch for the 10 year anniversary. But it's basically, yeah, the, the workouts that I do, which are, are joint friendly, they're safe. They make you feel great. Uh, you train like an athlete, great for guys who are over 40 or guys who are hard gainers that get beat up easily. And, um, and the workouts are short and simple. So doesn't take a lot of time, doesn't take a lot of equipment, not confusing. Uh, that's what it's all about. And so we, we have new workouts up there all the time, uh, videos, and then, um, yeah, that's basically it. Awesome. And so you've worked with over 700 athletes. And I heard that you also, you said you started working with them some in high school, and then they went into college, and then became professionals. Who are some of your favorite professional athletes that you've worked with in the MLB, NFL, 
WWE. I've seen the NHL too. Uh, I mean, there's no way you could pick favorites. You know, it's like picking your favorite kid. Sure. But, uh, I mean, everyone's great. I, I do love, I really enjoy working with, 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 uh, combat sport athletes. That's always fun. I bet. Um, working with pro wrestlers is always fun. Are you involved with MMA? Uh, I, I've trained fighters. Yeah. So that, that's why I said, I like that. I've trained a ton of high school and college wrestlers. A lot of fighters i do enjoy that because those guys are super tough men, you know mentally tough physically tough definitely so i mean it, it's it's all fun but okay. honestly nowadays it doesn't really it's not necessarily the athlete or the sport whether the guy's a star i really like if the guy's been training if a guy's let's say over 35 or maybe he's even a little bit younger but he's been doing this for 20 30 years and he's banged up and now he really wants to train smarter. Now he has a real appreciation for what I do. Because a lot of people, if you're in your 20s and you feel fine, you don't have that appreciation for what I do as much. If I take a guy who's banged up and he's like, man, I have been destroyed for the last five years. I'm 38, I'm 43. And I'm like, all right, let's train two, three weeks in. He's like, holy shit, I feel like I did when I was 26. That's amazing. So it doesn't matter. Like, the guy could be at any level. But if he's at that age and I can make him feel better, you know, t 10 years ago, you asked me, I, I would have loved getting guys jacked, strong, faster. That would have been my, my most exciting thing to do. Now, if I could just make a guy feel better and extend his career a couple years, or even if it's a weekend warrior, like it doesn't matter if he can go out and play pain freeze in the softball league or whatever. I really do enjoy that a lot. I, it's probably obviously part of it is me being 44 and beating myself up for years and then fixing myself and wanting to share that now. Yeah, that's cool though, because you're, you're, I guess it's also probably easier to kind of work with them because they've now have this different level of discipline and motivation because they need to make this change. But then totally. yeah. you have this appreciation that comes and then it's, that's got to be a great feeling. Absolutely. And, and they're more on board with every aspect of it. Whereas you're 26, your sleep isn't as important. You can get away with those shitty nights of sleep or you can eat fast food. At 44, you're going to feel terrible if you do that. So now what I tell you, Here's the importance of sleep and why you got to do it. Here's why you got to eat these foods and not eat these foods. Because if you eat this food, your elbow is going to hurt the next day. And like, whoa, okay, that's crazy. I got to not do that. Yeah, that's really interesting. So why did you start the podcast? Because I was, uh, it was five years ago. So, so I've been in the game for 20 years, starting to get a little bored. I had written every day for 10 years, starting to get bored of writing. So it was those two things. And then the third thing was I was just starting on this real deep dive journey of personal development. And at that point, I was still really working on my confidence, my communication skills. So I said before this, even though I had thousands of articles written and, and so many people following me, you barely ever saw me on video. I don't think you ever saw me on video. You never saw pictures of me. You barely heard me ever talk. Because I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was insecure. I was like, man, I'm not jacked enough to do that. I don't speak well enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm whatever, whatever. I made every excuse in the book because I was just, that's just how I was. And I did that kind of uh, as a way to force myself. Let me get behind the microphone and let me start to talk and start to develop my confidence. And also, now we're at almost 300 episodes. At least, I'd say 150 of those have been here in person, one-on-one -on -one conversation. So it's allowed me to get to know all these people and become known as the super connector now and just develop those listening skills and those relationship building skills. So it's more for me than anything else, quite honestly. It was selfish to work on things. And now it's just become a really cool thing. But that was why there was a few, quite a few different reasons.
So would you say starting a podcast is one of the most helpful things to building communication skills and confidence surrounding your communication skills? Mm, new question. I don't know. I don't know. It's not, it's not for everybody. Sure. No, I, I, I would say no. I would say no. I, okay. I would say spend more time getting out locally. Join things. Go on meetup.com and be around people. Because as great as this is, this isn't real. This isn't oh, real. If you and I were sitting across the street having coffee, that's real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can not, not you to negate said, this in any way, but I, I always emphasize the importance of real life interaction. Face like everything face. we're doing on screens isn't real. I couldn't agree more. And so it's yeah. like you, you had your 150 ones where they're in person and you get to do yeah. it face to face, look the person in the eye. But because podcasting so much have done over the internet with technology and we're having communication like we are right now. Yeah. It's still artificial to an extent. I totally get right. what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so your podcast has over three and a half million downloads and you've got over 800 five-star reviews or five-star review average on iTunes. What advice do you have for building such a successful podcast and how much of the podcast was due to the success of your blog and other things you've done in the past? Again, there's, I don't know that I have the best advice uh, for this. What I tell people a, it's, it's all goes back to everything I said already. Be consistent, have three core, core uh, messaging pillars, um, and then just do it regularly. Like consistency breeds trust. So do it regularly. Don't do it for a few weeks and then give up on it. Uh, and, and so you might not like this, and a lot of people don't like this. What I tell everybody who's new or fairly new to podcasting or says, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. Here's what I want to do. What, can I have you on? I go, okay. Don't interview anybody, never have a guest on, and they'll say, oh, why? What are you talking about? I say, well, why would you be like every other of the 2,800 million podcasts there are and, and just sit and interview people? Do you have a blog? Yes, I do. Okay. Is there a guest blogger on every single one of your blog posts? No. Okay. So why would there be one on your podcast? What about your YouTube channel and your Instagram? Is it you or is it someone else subbing in for you on every single episode? It's just me. Okay. So, so you have written content that's you, you have video content that's you, but the audio content, oh, we're going to throw those rules out, now it's somebody else. And, that, so, and I'll do that at events, I've been at business events, people ask me this, and they go, okay, so yeah, that makes sense, I'm going to do that. And so I tell them, just have your content, every day put out your content. I'd probably do it five days a week for 10 to 30 minutes. Pump out your content the same way you pump out your email, your blog, whatever, and then sell whatever it is you're trying to sell. Don't have everyone else on all the time. Awesome, cool, I'm going to do that. When can I have you on? I'm not coming on. I just told you what to do. So again, it's great if you want to build up relationships and especially if you could do it in person, do a podcast. But for most people, I think just pump out your own content or if you want to have guests on, maybe it's a three to one ratio of you and then a guest or even a two to one or at least a one to one, but pump out your own content. Yeah, I can totally understand that. I think that's an important point of, of, comparing it to blogs or video content that you're posting on Instagram, the Gary V style. If it's going to be you on everything else, it needs to be you on the podcast and at least to like a one-to-one -one or, or more than that. Right now, if my focus is, is I do one interview, then I do one recap. And so then you get my content and then I also get content where I really get to hear what yeah. you're doing. But I mean, I, think about it. Howard Stern's, I think four, four hours every morning, one hour as a guest, it's three hours of Howard. You tune in to listen to Howard. Exactly. Jimmy Fallon has guests, 
But every night when I pull up Jimmy Fallon on YouTube, I watch the monologue. I watch him having uh, dance battles, singing, playing games. I tune in to watch Jimmy, never for the guests. So people, you want to sell you more than anything. People need to be tuning in for you, and then they buy your stuff. They come to your events. They pay you for coaching. They pay you for consultations. They buy your affiliate stuff, whatever it is. They need to be coming for you. If they're just coming for the guests, it's a bad idea long-term brand building. That's a great point. And it's like with Joe Rogan, who's one of the most well-known, nobody's ever saying, I saw this guest on Joe Rogan. They're saying, I saw Joe Rogan and so-and-so is on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the way he does it, Joe is talking 50% of the show. Exactly. Listen to Joe. Exactly. And so he's talking at least an hour and a half, two hours of that time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you also have the Renegade experience, which occurs over a three-day span. And I saw that right now you guys are kind of planning it and the locations to be announced, stuff like that, days to be announced. But what is it? So we start, it's uh, back when I had the gym, we would always do training workshops and people would come in for three days, uh, two days probably. And, and we just do, you know, all kinds of training, go through every exercise and do training Q and A's. And once I went through that personal development journey, I was like, man, I want to incorporate some of this into the events too. And we were out in Cali. Hadn't done events for a few years because I no longer had a gym. The gym was back in Jersey. And so I said, all right, let's kind of create something unique and new that not a lot of people are doing. So we'll, we'll, we'll incorporate mindset stuff and lifestyle stuff and confidence, communication skills, relationship building, everything that goes into being strong mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, body, mind, spirit. So it's a pretty unique event where we start out on the beach. We do various workouts throughout the weekend. We do breathing techniques. We do uh, self-defense and fight training. We box. Uh, we do mobility work, prehab, rehab stuff. And then just there's me giving talks. I have some guest speakers come in. And a, a lot of sharing, a lot of sharing just about, you know, hard, and I, I force people to ask themselves hard questions that maybe they don't sit down and uh, take the time to ask themselves and, and figure out like, what really is important, what they need to be doing, help everyone doing 80-20 on their life. So it's pretty cool, all-inclusive, uh, unique kind of experience. And this last year we did ten of them, but at the end of 2018, I had to do my own my own 80/20, and realized that I was falling victim to doing too many things last year. And the last quarter of last year was causing me some stress and anxiety. And it was simply because I was doing what everyone does, and what I tell you not to do is taking on too many things. So this year we're going to be doing way fewer. We're probably going to only do four or five versus ten that we did last year. So we don't have anything on the books yet, but we may pretty soon. Okay. And so they're all focused on transformation, really. Yeah. Gotcha. And I've also seen that with this, you've discussed how small tribal gatherings of men is something that's missing in our society. And this is something that I couldn't really agree with more. What compelled you to really start doing it that way? Just because of the journey I went through and, and, and you know, developing all these relationships and friendships and, and what, seeing what an impact it had on my life. And then just learning about, you know, how we evolved, how, how this, this world and this life is so unnatural and how we would have evolved. We would have lived in groups of 30 to 40 people. We would have never been alone. We would have always been together. We would have got up in the morning and went foraging for food and went hunting and building shelter together. Even at night, people would have stayed together and just slept in super close proximity, low to the ground together. So you would always be in those groups. And now it's just really... It doesn't happen anymore. Male or female, it doesn't happen as much as it should. You're, you spend way too much time alone in isolation, and that breeds depression and stress and anxiety. I mean, you know, the worst punishment you can give a prisoner is solitary confinement. So bringing people together and creating this, this community 
uh, I think is really unique. And, and especially like you mentioned for men, that these groups right now, they are, are just for men because I think we do it less and less. And it's, it's really a shame because it's, you know, it, it, it's, well, I mean, we could get into a whole, whole thing there, but it's, it's just not good. It's just not good. So recreating that. And for me, seeing what happens over the course of three days and then going into the future, the relationships and the bonds that these guys build on such a deeper level than they might have in their own lives back at home, which is, is crazy. And that, that, that really makes the biggest difference and makes me happiest to see that. Yeah, that's so cool to see is the huge transformation they make with these strangers that they all came together with yeah. over a couple of days compared yeah. to what they've been doing for decades in their own life. Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, when, when you sweat and you train, you work and you push yourself out of your comfort zone and do really challenging stuff with, with other men, they become your brothers. You know, if you suffer together, they become your brothers. And, and if you start to open up and say things that you never said to anyone else, well, now there's this bond, now there's this trust. And you, you do develop a, a relationship that's un, unlike, you know, some of, the th- some of the relationships you've had in the past. It's crazy. Definitely. A whole new, whole new level of camaraderie. Yeah. And so I have one more question. And you've read tons of personal development books, tons of books. I saw like over 300. And Tommy Baker and I were talking the other day on another podcast about how there's these pearls of knowledge that you find when you're reading these books. And I've noticed that there's universal truths that, you'll read whether it doesn't matter who the author is. It could be Pat Riley. It could be Eric Rydens. It doesn't matter, but there's these universal truths that are there no matter what. Uh, Are there any universal truths that you've taken notice of throughout all your reading? I think just, again, like a broken record, it's just simplicity. I I think just simplicity and focus on the very few things that are important. Okay, great. I love that you continue to bring that up because that's something I couldn't agree with more is, the power of simplicity is something that everybody talks about. And you see people like, like Steve Jobs, they, they really make a go. difference in their life, focusing on simplicity. And yeah. also the 80-20 rule, which I'll, I'll provide more information about that in the event inform, or the episode information. It's something so powerful in people's lives as well. So, Absolutely. Jay, is there anything else you'd like to discuss? And also, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me. There's nothing really else that I could think of that I'd like to discuss, but uh, thank you so much for having me. You can find me at j.fit, J-A-Y.fit. Uh, I'm on Instagram at jferugia and uh, renegaderadiopodcast.com. All right, cool. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really grateful that you came on today, Jay. Thanks, Riley. I appreciate it, brother. It's fun. We are grateful you took the time to listen to our conversation and hope it makes a positive impact in your life. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening or watching it. Check out other episodes, leave a review, and follow us on social media at More You Know Pod. Also, please don't forget about our sweepstakes. Retweet a clip with the hashtag The More You Know and New Podcast from our Twitter for a chance to win a signed copy of my upcoming book, The More You Know, coming this fall. Tag two friends in the comments on a clip on Instagram for a chance to win a brand new copy of Dean Graziosi's Millionaire Mindset or Ed Milet's Max Out. Like us or share a clip on Facebook for a chance to win a book I have read that highly inspired me, signed by me with an inspirational message. Again, thank you for listening as we propel with podcasting through the more you know. I'm just trying to make it all make sense. The more you know podcast.